This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, guess what's happening at Right From The Deep? Well, first, thanks to all our patrons on Patreon. You help make this podcast possible. You do indeed. And thank you so much to our sponsor of the month, Priscilla Shero. Yay! She's working on her memoir called Bonked, Life, Love, and Laughter with Traumatic Brain Injury. And that will release with Redemption Press. And you can learn more about Priscilla at her website, PriscillaShero.com. That's P-R-I-S-C-I-L-L-A-S-H-A-R. R-R-O-W dot com. And you can follow her blog for the TBI PTSD community. Thank you, Priscilla. And it's my turn, of course, for the wonder. Every other week I get to share a wonder. And I got a text this morning from my sister-in-law with a picture of a bird she'd never seen in her yard before. And she asked me, what kind of flicker is this? Now, we have birds called uh, Western flickers out here that are just so cool. They're a type of woodpecker, and they have a V on their chest. Well, this bird also had the V on the chest, but it wasn't a flicker at all. It was what's called a varied thrush, and I texted that back to her. And as I did that, I thought to myself, God's creativity knows no bounds. He could have created one version of flicker, He could have created one version of thrush. He could have created one version of roses. And yet we have this abundance of beauty all around us in nature. We don't have just one type of tree. We have every type of tree, evergreen and deciduous. We don't have just hills and flatlands. We have amazing mountains. We live at the foot of the Cascades in Washington, and those mountains are just stunning. God did such amazing work with his creative spirit when he created this world. And what we see now is nothing compared to what it was when he created it. And yet everywhere that we look, we see how God is celebrating variety, how he is celebrating what is the same and what is different. And he makes beautiful things out of both. Including you guys out there. You are creatives too, made in God's image. And imagine all the creativity he dumped in you. And that is so cool. (laughs) It is. And now, here's the show. Welcome, writers. Welcome to the deep with us. We're glad you're here. As creatives, writers tend to feel things deeply, good things, troublesome things, hard things. (laughs) We can become immersed in the emotions fueled by what's happening around us. Like when our careers are going well, we're on top of the world, right? And when they're not, well, it's easy to get down. And as we've talked about in previous podcasts, we can even start to doubt whether we're supposed to be writing at all. Of course, those emotions change when something good happens. But what if that good thing doesn't happen? What if it seems like we're stuck in a place where nothing to our way of thinking is going right? Too often, the enemy sneaks in at that point to whisper lies to our writer's heart. Things like, this is going nowhere, or no matter what you do, your books will never be bestsellers, 
or, and I, I've heard this one, you're wasting time and money. And on and on the lies go and they feed our emotions until we spiral deeper and deeper. Friends, we're here to tell you that is not the deep God wants for you. So you may be listening and thinking something along the lines of, but we're believers. We shouldn't ever be down. I hate to break it to you, but being a believer doesn't mean you're not human, nor does it mean you're perfect. Far from it. Believing in Christ doesn't keep us from feeling, nor should it. God made us in his image, and those feelings, those emotions he gave us are a reflection of his feelings and emotions. Right. And of course, guys, we're all going to feel down at times. I mean, there's lots of reasons that could happen. Loss, grief, loved ones maybe who don't know the Lord, or disappointment in our careers or in anything, our family, expectations that don't materialize. On and on the list goes. I remember a writer friend of mine was so excited that her debut novel was coming out with a major Christian publisher. She did everything right. And everyone at the publishing house, from editorial to marketing to sales, they were all just as excited as she was. Her release day dawned, and she was on the computer doing all the things she'd been told to do. And then the world went upside down. Mm -hmm. Two planes came out of nowhere and crashed into the World Trade Center in New York. And just like that, no one cared that her book was releasing. No one cared about anything but the attack on America. Her much-anticipated book faded into the background and eventually went out of print with very few sales. Is it wrong that this happened to her? I mean, did she do something wrong? Was that a punishment? No, of course not. It was simply life. Guys, life in a broken, sin-soaked world. I mean, that's where we live. And hatred, it runs rampant, right? But you can understand how a writer in this situation would be downcast. Now, that might be an extreme example of broken expectations, but we share it to say that sadness, that sorrow, or even just feeling blue, they're all part of the human experience. And we as writers, well, come on, guys, we tend to feel those things to our core, in her online article, Seven Ways Christians Can Beat the Blues, Lisa Apello points out that some of the biblical giants of faith struggled with these very same emotional downward spirals. She writes, the Bible calls this being downcast, and it's an emotion that even some of the stoutest of faith dealt with. David often felt downcast, and it's reflected in many of the Psalms he penned. And she goes on to write, Elijah, following an incredible mountaintop experience of God's power, hit bottom as he hid from his oppressor. And then she goes on to talk about Jeremiah. She says, discouraged by isolation and constant opposition, Jeremiah felt so down that he cursed the day he was born. Now, guys, that's as downcast as you can get. A Crosswalk.com article by Debbie McDaniel points out that even Jesus knew what it was to be downcast. As she writes, quote, Isaiah prophesied that Christ would be, quote, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, unquote, Isaiah 53.3. So what does this mean, being downcast? What exactly does it mean? Webster's helps us gain a fuller understanding of that state, which it defies as, and get this, you guys, low in spirit. Now, I don't, oh, I don't know about you, but that <laughs> definition sparked a lot of thoughts for me, but we'll come back to that in a minute. 
first, let's consider a few of the synonyms Webster's gave for downcast. Dispirited, dejected, disconsolate, woebegone. In addition, Webster's explains that all of the words, including downcast, suggest a lack of cheer, confidence, and hope, perhaps accompanied by shame or chagrin. Man, Webster's is always helpful, but in this instance, it's spot on because this definition and these synonyms help us understand why our emotions get caught up in a downward spiral. What's more, they give us insight into dealing with this emotional spiral. Right. It's about the spirit. Amen. (laughs) Remember Webster's definition, right? Low in spirits and the synonym dispirited. You know, I'm thinking about that. I'm like, you know, that can actually be the cause and the cure. Because for believers, it's being low in the Holy Spirit or as though the Holy Spirit has been displaced by whatever is fueling our sadness or displaced or blocked or just shadowed. But you're not alone. Charles Spurgeon, you guys know who Charles Spurgeon is, amazing writer. He went in and out of feeling depressed. In fact, he once wrote, Fits of depression come over most of us. Usually cheerful as we may be, we must at intervals be cast down. The strong are not always vigorous. The wise are not always ready. The brave not always courageous. And the joyous not always happy. Hmm. True. And of course, there's David, right? And he's a creative, right? He's a singer. He's a musician, a writer, and a poet. And his heart was tender toward God. And yet, that same heart that made him a man after God's own heart led him to feel down when things were hard. And guys, he had a lot of hard things happen in his life. He was feeling down at times, or as we said earlier, downcast. So this, friends, is where Psalm 42 comes in. Now, when you heard in the introduction that this particular psalm was dubbed the writer psalm, I bet you wondered who did the dubbing. Well, that was me. <laughs> because I happened to read this psalm right after our podcast with Lori Ann Wood, which is episode 187. We'd been talking about writer's struggles, and I was amazed at the way this psalm, Psalm 42, acknowledged the struggles, and then, as only God-inspired writing can do, gave us the solutions to the struggle. So when you're downcast or dispirited, when you're low in the Holy Spirit, do what we're going to do now. Which is we're going to explore and follow David's lead in Psalm 42. So here's the first couple of verses. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. Where can I go and stand before him? Now, at first glance, it might seem that David is praising God or acknowledging his need for God. But when we read this in the context of the whole psalm, you can see that this beginning is actually one of desperation, as though David is at the end of himself and he has nowhere to go and he's crying out to God, I need you, Lord, as much as I need water. I don't know if you guys know this, but we can survive for as long as 21 days without food and we can live even longer without things like shelter. But water, that's three days max. After three days without water, you're done. And David knew he was in a bad place and he cried out to God. 
When your heart and mood seem to be sinking, or if you suddenly realize you're full on downcast, do the same thing that David did. Call out to God. Tell God how you long for him, how you thirst for him and his spirit. Seek him and him alone, not sales numbers, not Amazon rankings, not reviews, not what other people say about you, not even what your family and friends say about you. Focus on God and his Holy Spirit. Now, I confess, I almost laughed when I read verse 2, where David says, where can I go and stand before him? That's like, David knows where to stand before God, wherever he is, God is there. So it's not like David doesn't know this, but I think this gives us a glimpse into just how lost he felt, how he feared he would no longer have God's blessing and presence, how he felt alone and abandoned, and that emotion was just spiraling farther and farther down. Now, if you struggle with these kinds of feelings, counter them with God's truth, especially this one expressed all throughout both the New and the Old Testament. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? When you start feeling down, guys, seek God right where you are. You don't have to get your stuff together before you seek him. It's okay to admit, where can I stand before you? This is how I feel. It's okay. Seek him right there. David goes even deeper into his woes in verse three. Check this out. Day and night, I have only tears for food while my enemies continually taunt me saying, where is this God of yours? Day and night, he's got only tears for food. Yep, that's a creative who is going into, oh, this is terrible. It's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And and I'm really not making fun. I'm simply saying we've all been there. Day and night, I have only tears for food, my book release. And you got to admit, some bad things really happened to him, right? Right, right. He has reason for saying what he's saying. And we often have, in the temporal world's world's eyes, reasons for being downcast. But I got to tell you, one of the enemy's most effective tools against us is mockery and questioning God. Where is this God of yours? How did he get to to Eve in the Garden of Eden? Did God really say, and then he misquoted God? He is a master of deception. So if indeed he gave you the task to write, then why aren't your books on the bestseller list? Why isn't your name a household word? Where are the movies made from your God-given stories? Right. So the good news, guys, is that this tactic of Satan's is hardly new, as you see from the psalm. The moment mockery comes, go on the counteroffensive. Attack the enemy with prayer and scripture. Praise God. Satan cannot stand this, okay? He cannot stand this. Praise God. Sing to God. Acknowledge his presence and power and close your ears and your spirit to the enemy's old and tired strategy. Don and I have gone through a lot of years of very dark and very difficult times. Don, my husband, we spent a lot of time in the early years of our marriage with just emotionally, verbally knock down, drag out fights. It's, it's as though Satan pitted us 
against each other. As a result, without even realizing it, our anger opened the door to Satan's influence coming in. I felt it more and more without really knowing what was going on or what I was feeling, just a sense of heaviness and darkness in our home. One day after Don left to go to work, um, I was laying in bed kind of on the edge of awake, you know, when you're in that just coming out of a dream and being on the edge of awake. And someone was there. Our bedroom had a doorway that you could look out into the dining room and into the hallway. And I looked, but I wasn't awake, but I looked and there was a form walking toward me. And I was terrified. I was just I was frozen. I couldn't do anything. And it walked toward me and its hand reached out and was about to touch my face. And I finally managed to just blurt out, Jesus, Jesus. And just like that, it was gone. Now, I got to tell you, we had a cleansing of our apartment after that. But the thing that still just captures my heart and gets to me, the name of Jesus spoken and they flee. Satan can't stand it. The enemy's minions can't stand it. The name of Jesus is the most powerful thing we have as believers. So these solutions that we've explored so far through Psalm 42 can help lift your spirit from being downcast and lift you into the healing and encouragement of God's truth and light. Speak his name. Praise him. Use scripture as your weapons against the enemy's lies. They're all there, ready and waiting for you to use them to stop Satan cold. But our psalm doesn't end there. And isn't that good news? Emotions have a way of ebbing and flowing. And just when we think we've dealt with them, something else happens, as it did with David. But we'll talk about that in the next episode. So stay tuned. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at writefromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Mm -hmm.